on today's episode of the Real Foodology podcast. Honestly, I look at autoimmune disorders as being like the epidemic that we're not focused on. Um, if you look at all and any medications that pharmaceutical companies are focused on, it's autoimmune. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Real Foodology podcast. Every week I tell myself that I'm going to start with a new intro and then I don't because, you know, there's only so many ways you can address people and say hi. So hello, I am your host, Courtney Swan. I am the creator behind Real Foodology, which is, of course, this podcast. It's also an Instagram. It started out as a food blog 10 years ago when I was getting my master's in nutrition. I don't really blog much anymore. It still sits there and I have like a restaurant guide and some really old blog posts, but really my main focus now is this podcast and my Instagram. If you're new here and you don't follow me on Instagram, I am at Real Foodology. I hope you will join along. I post on there daily. Today's episode is on a really important topic, autoimmune disorders. Believe it or not, 23.5 million Americans suffer from an autoimmune disease and nearly 80% of those are women. I brought on Donna Mazzola, or better known as the Dr. Autoimmune Girl, to talk all about autoimmune disorders and the rise that we have been seeing in this country. She's a pharmacist with a doctorate in a pharmacy degree, and she's also a nutritionist with her master's in human nutrition and functional medicine from the University of Western States. What I love so much about her background, and I talk about this a little bit in the actual interview, is I love that she comes from a standard conventional medical training. And then as she was working in that environment, she realized that there was no conversation being had with patients about diet and lifestyle interventions. So she actually went back and got her master's in human nutrition so that she could also bring that component to her work, which is a really important component of this whole conversation. So in this episode, we dive into what autoimmunity is, what to look for, so the signs and the symptoms, what to do about it, so supplements, diet and lifestyle changes, what's causing this rise, and so much more. This is such an informative podcast. I really enjoyed this interview, and I hope that you guys do too. Before we dive into it, can I ask you a favor? Would you please leave a five-star rating and a review I'm really bad at asking for favors, but this really, really helps the podcast because the ultimate goal is to get this podcast on as many ears so that people can use this information to better their health and better their lives. Also, another thing that really helps if you send this to family and friends, the more ears that we get on it, the more coverage that we get. So I really appreciate your support. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy this episode. I don't know about you guys, but once it hits September, I'm just like, bring on the pumpkin spice everything. I don't even care if that makes me sound basic because you know what? Pumpkin spice flavored stuff just gives me life and it makes me feel like fall is officially here. And now that we've gotten that out of the way, Organifi Gold now has a pumpkin spice flavor that is out limited edition for fall. This stuff is so damn good. I'm literally sitting here right now just smelling it, and I'm getting so excited about putting this in my coffee tomorrow. You can drink this at night. It's actually kind of a it's a relaxation drink, so you can drink it before bed. But if you want to make kind of a pumpkin spice, like a healthy pumpkin spice latte that has all of these calming effects, 
which I love. And that's personally what I do because it helps kind of keep away the coffee jitters in the morning. And it gives me this kind of just like calm, balanced energy because it has stuff like turmeric, ginger, lemon balm, which is really good for stress. It also has reishi and turkey tail, which are really good for stress and the immune system. And just a bunch of other spices that make it into a pumpkin spice drink. Despite it tasting really good, what I love so much about all of the Organifi products is that everything is USDA organic and glyphosate residue free. Hopefully by now you guys have been listening to the podcast long enough to know that glyphosate is not something that we want in our food or in our bodies. It is a pesticide that is linked to cancer, according to the World Health Organization, and it is heavily sprayed on crops, especially non-organic crops, but it's now popping up in organic food as well. And so it's really important. It's just a seal showing the integrity of this product because they care enough to go out of their way to make sure that this has no glyphosate in it. So you know that you're getting a really good high quality product that's not going to harm your body. Now they gave me a code so that you guys can get 20% off the pumpkin spice gold. You can also get the regular gold, which is more of like a vanilla flavor and they have that all year round. And then if you follow me on Instagram, you know how much I love the green juice and the red juice. I drink both of those every single morning. So make sure that you use code real foodology and you're going to get 20% off. So go to Organifi.com slash real foodology. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash real food, O-L-O-G-Y. Donna, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, so I want to just dive right into this. But before we get into the conversation, why don't you give everyone a little bit of a background on what you do and how you got here? Yeah, so by training and education, I'm actually a pharmacist. Um, and I completed you know, my degree gosh, over 15 years ago and was working, I was working clinically with patients with chronic disease. And I mean, through my time there, long story short, realized that, wow, nobody knows anything about nutrition and how it impacts their chronic disease. And no one's using nutrition to manage their disease. And we're just so caught up in medications only. Um, and it was really the turning point when I had a patient tell me that that had diabetes that didn't know what a carbohydrate was. So it was like, okay, there's a there's a hole in the system. Wow. Yeah, and you re- yeah, <laughs> and you realize like pr- providers just don't know. They don't have any education in nutrition. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna take it upon myself to go back to school and learn that. And in that time, I actually has had um, a diagnosis of Hashimoto's. Um, which was back in 2015. And I think that just solidified my route um, to go back to school and learn because quite frankly, like even in my education, I had no concept of foods and the immune system and how there was a link there. Um, Gut health, none of that. I mean, nothing, right? And so it was kind of like, here's your medication, be on your way. And I wasn't okay with that. So it hit home for me personally. And I was like, oh crap, I, I need to figure this out. So I went um, back to school to get a master's in functional medicine and human nutrition. And on that journey, like honestly, after my first semester, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm learning so much and I'm able to help myself. I need to get this information out there in the hands of other people um, that are also suffering like I was and had so many questions. And so I started my blog and my persona that I refer to as Dr. Autoimmune Girl. And there is where I 
literally, that is exactly what I do. I share just reputable science-backed information that just empowers people to take control of their health, um, to answer, you know, the questions that they all have. We all have the same questions. I don't care how educated we are. I still have a lot of questions too. Um, And so I put it out there and I make sure it's not opinion-based and it's just, it's there to, to empower people to ask the right questions. What I love so much about your story is that you come from that more traditional, conventional training, and that really opened your eyes up to a whole different world. And that's what's so frustrating about our conventional medical system is that, as you learned, that there's no conversation about diet and lifestyle at all. It's just like, oh, okay, we're going to treat this symptom with a prescription drug, you know, and not to vilify prescription drugs. I think they have a time and a place, but... The fact that there is no conversation being had whatsoever on diet and lifestyle is just, I mean, it's the reason we are where we are right now with our health. Yeah, exactly. And and what I always say is like, it's about, and like kind of my mantra is the balance between nutrition and medicine. So, yeah. you know, as you said, I, there's certainly a place for medicine and for, and, and a lot of times the way things are perceived is it's either your traditional or your, you know, natural period. And like, you can't be in between. Well, that's, that's not true. (laughs) You know, like to me, I'm like, that's where I'm targeting is the in between. Like if you want to be, and you need to be, and you feel comfortable on your diabetes med or your high blood pressure or whatever, right. Even for autoimmune disease, like we need them. That's okay. But like now work on the other side to like shift that balance. Like, can we reduce medications? Can we decrease your doses? You know, can we use the power of nutrition and plants and lifestyle and sleep and all those other factors that can like shift our immune system so that medication is is there for us, but it may not be completely necessary all the time, right? If we're living that, you know, appropriate lifestyle. Yes. Yes. I love this. This is what I'm constantly trying to preach as well. I'm like, if we can get to a place where we can at least reduce the medications, reduce the symptoms, like mitigate all of these side effects. Yes. And we can do that very easily with a lot of like lifestyle and diet changes. It doesn't mean that um, that some people are going to be able to just get off all meds for the rest of their life. I mean that that is the goal. But it but like you said, we have medication there for a reason. So I want to kind of dive into this a little bit because we're kind of seeing this scary trend right now in a rise of autoimmune disorders. I was reading about this earlier. And um, from what I understand, it's somewhere between we're seeing like a three to a nine percent increase of autoimmune disorders every single year right now, which is really terrifying for people listening that don't fully understand the concept of an autoimmune disorder. Can we dive into that a little bit and what it means or what is it? Yeah, honestly, I look at autoimmune disorders as being like the epidemic that we're not focused on. Um, If you look at all and any medications that pharmaceutical companies are focused on, it's autoimmune disease focused. Um, and so like, that's that's telling, right? Because there's obviously, from that standpoint, a market for it. Um, and yeah. there's this prevalence that you, you quoted. I mean, I've seen it even higher. I've seen it expected to rise by the NIH at a rate of 19%. And that's compiling all autoimmune diseases. Ooh. And quite frankly, like with COVID, um, you know, we know viral infections are one factor that can really trigger an autoimmune disease. And we're seeing 40% of people that are recovering from COVID, you know, are having autoimmune-like symptoms. And that's scary. That's a scary thought to think that, you know, that prevalence could rise even more. Um, But essentially, uh, you know, when you talk about autoimmune diseases, what are they? 
um, you know, they're, they're where your immune system goes awry. So you can have autoimmune disease that is focused on a thyroid gland, which is Hashimoto's, or your pancreas, mm-hmm. which is type 1 diabetes, you know, or your joints, which is rheumatoid arthritis. But at the end of the day, all the commonality of all of that is it's there's a dysregulation in your immune system. And that's triggered by this chronic inflammatory state that we're all in. And so, you know, reading th- these epidemiological studies, they're looking at, they're saying, you know, genetics hasn't changed that much as we're seeing this like crazy rise go up. So what is it? And at the end of the day, it boils down to it's our environment. It's our environmental factors that we're living in that put us in this chronic inflammatory state. And I always go back to say like inflammation is important and it's a positive thing, actually. So, you know, you want your body to recognize that there's inflammation um, you know, in your that there's a trigger, and it, so it produces this inflammatory response to fight off whatever that infection or what it may be, and then at the same time, it should turn off. What's happening right now because we have these constant environmental factors and triggers going on, whether it be pollution, whether it be these processed foods that we eat, whatever it may be, it's constantly assaulting our immune system. So we just always have this chronic inflammatory state, so it never turns off. Well, at some point, that constant trigger leads to the development of these autoimmune diseases. And that's just Mm -hmm. one factor. And it's like, in addition to that, that impacting our gut lining, which is leading to chronic inflammation, it's allowing these, you know, antigens that should have never, should have been encased within our gut are releasing out into our bloodstream. They release out into our bloodstream and then our blood, you know, our immune system is like, oh, what is this? It's not supposed to be here. Attack. And so then it gets turned on. And so... It's it's so complicated yet so simple when I talk about it because it's like, yeah. gosh, we just have to remove all these environmental factors that we're exposed to, which is not always that easy, but that's essentially how we're going to reduce this prevalence and incidence that we're seeing. Yeah, and I want to um, touch on that too. So you brought up a really important factor in all of this is everything that we're being exposed to in our environment. And for people that are listening that are new to this, I want to list off some of those. So for example, plastics, Um, Mm -hmm. getting your food in plastic or microwaving it in plastic, it's going to cause those chemicals to leach into the food. Those are known endocrine disruptors. Also cleaning products that have fragrances, beauty and skin products, and especially for women, way more than men, because think about all the makeup and the beauty products and the lotions and the perfumes and everything that we're putting on on a daily basis. And then not to mention just our modern lifestyles, you know, like the amount of stress that we're under on a daily basis, lack of sleep, all of these things are going to contribute to that, what you what you were just talking about, this chronic inflammatory response. And so what we need to do is reduce the impact of all of that on our bodies so that we can get to a place where we're not just in this inflammatory state all the time. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's honestly... I, at the end of the day, it's it's the awareness of it. And so, yeah. it, 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 like, all the things you just said, perfumes, um, cleaning products, it's like building that awareness that these are those toxins that are triggering our immune system. Um, and I think that's that's what we're both doing, right? We're just trying to constantly build that awareness so that people can get down, um, you know. And bring it down. Bring it down. And Oh, and there was another one that I think is really important to name is pesticides on our food, which is also why there's such a strong... Um, need for organic food because there's less pesticide exposure. 
And for anyone listening, like I always want to bring this up because I know if you're just diving into this, it can feel very overwhelming. These are not things that you change overnight. You start with one thing. You're like, okay, I'm going to tackle my skincare. I'm going to tackle my makeup or I'm going to tackle the cleaning products. And you just do it a little bit over time. There's also great resources like Environmental Working Group, EWG.org. And you can actually type in your beauty products and they'll give you ratings on how like toxic they are. And then you can slowly start to incorporate the the lower toxicity, you know, skincare and whatever it is that you're trying to replace. So I was actually listening to you on another podcast and I was very intrigued to hear this because I didn't know this, um, that apparently there's a higher incidence of autoimmune disorders in women than there are men. I did not know that until recently. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. So, I mean... It- it comes down to our hormones, um, and unfortunately, um, and so it's not really, there's not a definitive answer to that question. Um, you know, there are different research studies that have gone on to kind of try to determine, you know, what it is about women's hormones that lead to this. But when you think about the timing of the majority of autoimmune diseases and when they develop, um, a lot of it is postpartum. Um, and um, pre- and post-menopause. So it's when we have a shift in our hormones. And a lot of it has to do with estrogen. So estrogens actually have T-cells, um, receptors on them. And so, um, you know, you think about T-cells, they, they are a primary cell within the immune system that's released to attack, essentially, right? So like you have this assault that occurs, your immune system says, hey, we need help, send out these special forces, T-cells go out. So when they're, you know, the, the thought is, one thought, you know, is, and, and, and it's not definitive, is that these T-cells can bind to these estrogen receptors. So if we have, um, you know, which can upregulate the immune system and upregulate that immune response. But, um, yeah. you know, yeah, it comes down, it's unfortunate, but yeah, it's about one out of nine women that actually have, mm. um, you know, that will develop an autoimmune type disorder or have autoimmune-like symptoms um, so yeah, it's unfortunate. It's a uh, gender biased autoimmune disease. It is really unfortunate. And actually, as you were talking, I was sitting here thinking like, oh yeah, a lot of my girlfriends have, um, some sort of autoimmune disorder going on, whether it's Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism, hyperthyroidism. Um, it's really interesting. And I think about too, a couple of my girlfriends who have given birth then, you know, had some sort of issue usually with their thyroid. Yep which is actually something I want to go into because I know that you were very well-versed in this since you mentioned this in the beginning, that you were actually diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And I would love to dive into all of that. So first of all, what are kind of the signs and symptoms that your thyroid may be off? So there's two types of thyroid autoimmune type diseases, right? So you can either be hypo or hyper, which essentially means hypo, you're not producing enough hormone or hyper, you're producing too much hormone. And the issue with it is that it doesn't know when to turn off. Um, And so it either it's continues to stimulate more or doesn't produce enough. And so the, the most common, honestly, the most common autoimmune disease period is Hashimoto's. Um, mm. And that's the autoimmune disease of the thyroid that essentially is not producing enough hormone. And so everything's slowed down. So you think about your thyroid gland, this little butterfly gland that's here in your throat, and it's like does so much and it's responsible for so much. So it's like your metabolic powerhouse, essentially. And so everything just slows down 
signs and symptoms of like, you know, your hair is dry. That was a trigger for me. I was like, why is my hair Mm. so dry? Like everything just feels drier, feels slower. You're going to see constipation, more fatigue, um, cold intolerance. So like you'll be freezing all the time because, you know, that's the heat that's produced, right? That that metabolic Mm -hmm. heat. And so, um, you know, for a lot of people, even just brain fog, like lack of clarity that's occurring. Again, think of it like slowing down. Everything just feels like it's slowing down. Um, but the big one is fatigue. Um, and so people will go in and it's just like, I'm tired. And then they just attribute it to like, well, this is just our life. This is just our lifestyle. Like you're always going to be tired. And so it honestly takes people about, I think it's on average of eight years to actually get diagnosed officially while they suffer with these symptoms. Like think about all these things I just named constipation, fatigue, uh, you know what I mean? Like you can't sleep, yeah. your, you know, your hair is dry, your skin is dry. It's just awful. Imagine like you're just living with this for about eight years until finally someone's like, oh, I figured it out. You have Hashimoto's um, and now we can start to get some help. And so it's important to just recognize some of those things and, you know, dig deeper. And a lot of it just comes down to reducing inflammation. So I have so many people that reach out that say, my my antibodies, which are essentially a test that's done that is a measure of the attack on the thyroid gland. And so they will say, my antibodies look elevated, but all my other, other labs look good. So doctors don't want to do anything about it. Well, if your antibodies mm. are up, for everybody who has this question, it's a measure of the inflammatory response going down. At the end of the day, what we said in the beginning, that's what you need to do is implement a more anti-inflammatory lifestyle to reduce that inflammation, reduce that attack on your thyroid to help preserve what's left of it. Um, so it, it can be, you know, we can focus on it and kind of, you know, I don't want to say officially totally reverse it, but if it's early enough, we catch it early enough, we potentially could. Yes. And this is such an important component of this conversation. I'm so glad that you brought it up because I've found specifically with a thyroid, this either goes misdiagnosed or not diagnosed at all because when you go just to like a standard allopathic doctor in conventional medicine, they're not doing, they're not checking all of the thyroid hormones. And so this is really important for people to understand because you can go in and you can have the signs and symptoms and be either headed in the direction of Hashimoto's or could maybe already be there at this point. And if they don't test for all of, if they don't test all of those thyroid hormones and the antibodies as well, then they may completely miss that. Yep. And that's typically what happens. That's, that's typically what happens is because what's happening is like your antibodies might be elevated and that attack might be going on, but your gland is working really hard to combat that. So it's going in overtime and overcharge to be like, no, 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 I can still produce hormone while it's being attacked. And that's why if they just pull those numbers, you know, to look at, you know, if, is it being stimulated? Essentially, it's the thyroid stimulating hormone. It'll look good. And they're like, yeah, it looks like it's a normal range. You're fine. Um, but it's it's until, and that's why, unfortunately, it's until we, it's a completely exhaust the thyroid gland. It can't do any more while it's being attacked, that that's when eventually they're like, oh yeah, now your TSH is elevated. Okay, now I'll check antibodies, which a complete misnomer. It's like, no, check them oh. first. Give them yes. guidance on how to reduce inflammation and try to preserve that gland. But unfortunately, that's not what's taught in mainstream medicine. That's just not not the approach. You know, it's so frustrating, and this is why I got into integrative health, because when we just look at the conventional standard medical um, way of things, 
you are not diagnosed. You're not even given any warning signs. You're not given any sort of guidelines and like lifestyle prevention measures that you could take before you go over the edge. It's almost like they'll even like look at your numbers and be like, oh, I mean, you're like headed that direction, but it's fine. I'm not worried about it. And then boom, you're there. And then now you have to be on meds for the rest of your life. Whereas if we were able to catch it early on enough, if you had a doctor say, hey, you know what? Your numbers are a little elevated and I'm worried that you're going in this one direction. So let's look at your inflammation. Let's like make some diet and lifestyle changes and see if we can bring that back down before you go over the edge and point of sometimes no return. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Like I almost feel like it should be standard labs to be done, like yeah. all all autoimmune antibody tests, right? Because at that point, we're looking at it. And, and the problem is, is that each autoimmune disease is treated by the particular specialist that it aligns to. And they're yeah. simply treating the disease. They are not treating the immune process underlying the disease. And that's where the gap comes into play. So wow. if they were to check those antibodies, like the response is usually like, okay, well, but your thyroid's still functioning, so you're good. They don't have that understanding, honestly, that knowledge or education or training that tells them, ah, your antibodies are elevated. There's an immune process going on here. Let's see how we can fix your immune system as opposed to focusing on the thyroid gland or the pancreas or whatever it may be, right? Like, let's focus on your immune system. And that's where you really get down to the root of it and you can preserve whatever organ damage is going on. So it's super frustrating. Like, yeah, you've like hit a trigger point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's so frustrating. But you know what? It's great. It's it's good that people are now having these conversations like you and I, because at least people now um, can be made aware and then they can either look for a new doctor that does look for all of these things or they can ask their doctor for more tests. So like perfect example, what would someone act? Can you just go in and say, I want a full thyroid panel? Like what do they want the doctors to actually be testing for? What hormones? Yeah. So normally people will go in and say, can you check my thyroid? And you, you say that, and the only test you're getting is a TSH, um, and that's the bare bones minimum, and that doesn't tell us enough. Um, so yeah. really what you want to ask for is a full thyroid panel, which includes includes your TSH, because that's telling you, you know, if if it's working over time to, pr- to stimulate you to produce more hormone. And the reason it's going to be doing that is because your actual thyroid hormones, which are your T4 and your T3 hormones... Are, they're probably low. And so because yeah. they're low, there's like this feedback mechanism that says produce more. So you want your TSH, you want your T4, you want your T3, but you also want two antibody tests um, to be done. And that's thyroglobulin and your thyroid peroxidase antibodies. So TPO and TG, those should also be checked. And really all you have to say is, can you check antibodies for my thyroid? Um, and they should be able to do that. I want a full thyroid panel and I want antibodies. That will give the whole picture of what's going on. That'll give you an understanding of, is this autoimmune related? Because it may not always be autoimmune related, right? Um, yeah. uh, but majority of the time, like 90% it is. Um, and then and the other side is, okay, how do my hormones look? You know, is my T4 low? Is my T3 high? Like there's a whole picture that needs to be looked at. And unfortunately, majority of the time, it's like they look at one piece of the puzzle and that leaves out so much. And, you know, and honestly leads to delayed diagnosis. At the end of the day, it's it's likely going to get that diagnosis, but it's going to be delayed. And there's no reason for people to suffer with without answers. Yeah. I mean, it's so frustrating. Well, and also like now, having this perspective that we need to zoom out and look at everything. 
um, it makes me even more frustrated with the conventional medical model because let's say like you're having some sort of issue with your thyroid, you go in and they're just focusing on the thyroid, but kind of similar to what you just said, we need to zoom out and actually look at the body as a whole and be like, okay, well, you know, the thyroid's obviously being affected, but how is the immune system being affected? Like you said, where are the antibodies, um, the cardiovascular system, the metabolic system, are our adrenals working correctly? And I think we've kind of forgotten that the body is all in sync. And if one thing is out of balance, usually there's other things out of balance as well. And we need to zoom out and remember to look at everything as a whole and try to get to the root cause so that then we can bring balance back to the body. Yeah. Yep. Well, 100%. It's like our body does not work in silos. But the yeah. medical like establishment works in silos. So therefore, that's yeah. how it's treated. It's treated in silos. So like you have a heart problem, you go to a cardiologist. You have a, a you know problem with your hormones, you go to an endocrinologist. You have and and there's no communication between them, and everything is treated as it's a separate entity, which is the which like you said is the main key difference between how functional medicine practitioners operate versus conventional medicine is recognizing that it is all connected, um, especially our hormones. Like think about thyroid hormones. They're all, it's connected. It's connected to your sex hormones. It's connected to your sleep hormones, connected to your gut hormones. I mean, hormones work together. They are the communicators of our body. Um, And so to think that they only work by themselves is just preposterous. Like it's crazy to me. Um, (laughs) And this is how we treat everything, which it's mind blowing. Oh, and it's so frustrating. Did you know that stress actually plays a huge component of your productivity? I recently had the founder of Magic Mind on my podcast, James, and he brought up such a great point that I've actually seen in my own life, but I had never really put two and two together that the more stressed out you are, the less focused and productive you're going to be because your brain's going to be scattered. Um, Oftentimes with me personally, when I'm really stressed out, I become very complacent and avoidant. So I will avoid some emails and just not be fully on my game. And ironically enough, most of us reach for coffee when we want to be productive and we want to be on point, but coffee also raises cortisol levels and can really actually amplify your stress. I mean, I've personally seen this in my own life. If I have more than one cup of coffee, my heart is racing out of my chest. I can't focus because I'm so stressed out. My cortisol levels are so high. So there has to be a better way. And there is a better way. This is why I'm so excited that I found Magic Mind. So Magic Mind is the world's first productivity drink that can either be taken alongside your morning coffee or your morning caffeine, or you can completely replace it if you want. What I'm doing, because I love my coffee so much, I love the ritual, I love the taste of it, so I've cut back on my coffee consumption, and then I drink a Magic Mind alongside it, because there's so many components of Magic Mind, like the matcha and the adaptogens and the nootropics, that really help with your cognitive function, and it really helps with my productivity and just turns my brain on. I get more work done now than when I was in college on Adderall. I'm just going to say it. I cannot speak highly enough of Magic Mind. I am such a fan of it. They also gave me a code to share with you guys. So if you want to try it, you can save 20% off when you use the code RealFoodology. Just go to magicmind.co, use code RealFoodology, and try Magic Mind today. I hope you love it. Um, And also, you know, I've heard that sometimes when they're um, testing your thyroid antibodies, they will also look at your, your cholesterol. And I'm curious what the connection is with that. Yeah, so um, so cholesterol is actually a precursor to hormone development. 
So you need cholesterol. So when we say, oh, we got to lower our cholesterol. Yes, we don't want our cholesterol too high, but we also don't want our cholesterol too low. If it's too low, then you don't have the ability to actually produce key sex hormones like progesterone, estrogen, like it starts with cholesterol. You need it, right? So actually for me personally, that's how I figured out that... um, that was really the trigger that caused my doctor to dig deeper and get antibodies as my cholesterol was elevated. And she's like, okay, that's weird. Like, I know you're healthy and you eat right. And why did your cholesterol suddenly go up? And she said, and and my TSH was in normal range, but it wasn't optimal. So I think I had a little bit of smarter doctor here, but she was like, (laughs) well, it's about like, you know, high to like two and a half. So the range is 0.5 to 5.5. And so that's, that's the other problem why things get delayed. And she's like, well, you're around like 2.8. Let's, let's dig deeper because I don't understand why your cholesterol is elevated. In addition to your symptoms where you're saying you have dry hair, you're have you're having a hard time losing weight, check my antibodies and they were through the roof. And so that was an indicator. And I always tell everybody that story because yeah. Then, then that empowers you, right? To say like, hey, I'm healthy and I eat right and I know that I do and I do, but why is my cholesterol elevated? And I have these symptoms, help me. And it can even be an education point for some people to their providers. Um, and so, yeah, that's um, that's the connection is really like cholesterol is your precursor to your hormone development. And so, like I said, your thyroid doesn't work in silos. It works in conjunction with all of those hormones. So yes. all connected. <laughs> Oh my God. That's incredible. It sounds like you're, you're really lucky that you have that doctor. She sounds pretty smart and on top of it. Um, and actually I just had a guy on yesterday on my podcast that will come out in a couple weeks, but a doctor and he was, he, man, this connection was mind blowing to me. He said, it is no coincidence that men, um, that older men like in their seventies and above, or well, just men in general, actually that are on statins are also usually on Viagra or having some sort of erectile dysfunction because of that connection with our sex hormones and our cholesterol. Yes, yes, It is yes, all yes, yes. related. Yeah. And we've gotten to this place, like I don't want to go too far down on a tangent on cholesterol, but we've gotten to this place where we've completely vilified cholesterol, but we forget that we need it for our brains, we need it for our hormones, yeah. especially our sex hormones, our thyroid hormones. So we don't want to completely eradicate cholesterol because we also need it. It's a very important component of our biology. Of course. Again, yeah. it always comes down to balance, right? Like, yes. yes, too much of anything is bad. Too much estrogen is a bad thing. Too much thyroid hormone is a bad thing. Too much yeah. cholesterol is bad. But a balance of all of these is a good thing. And that's exactly what you need. And not having enough of any of these is the same thing, right? So not having enough estrogen or thyroid or cholesterol, again, it all goes hand in hand. But the whole like fat-free movement and fat is bad and cholesterol is going to kill you and Statins came out and it was like, let's keep lowering, lower and lower and lower. Um, And it's Mm. like the question never got answered. Well, wait, how low is too low? And that's always, that's still like within the medical establishment, like out there, like, you know, how low do we actually want to go lowering people's cholesterol? And the sad part is, is like, you can lower your cholesterol typically with diet, unless you have some type of genetic, you know, abnormality that is causing it. And that's a very, very, very small percentage, right? The vast majority is through diet and lifestyle. And so if we can just create this balance, everything would work in harmony. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then don't even get me started that apparently the the drug makers of these statins have been lobbying to lower the um, cholesterol range, like lower and lower, so that they can get more people on statins. And who are we to say that our cholesterol needs to be in this one little average range when sometimes some bodies need a little bit more for our brain, 
sex hormones, whatever it is. You know, I could go on a whole different tangent on this, but <laughs> it is so frustrating. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. So I know you talk about this a lot, and I want my listeners to hear about this. Can we talk about the connection um, of our gut health and our overall immune system? And like what the role it plays in and maybe in autoimmune disorders and all that. Yeah, for sure. So 70% of your immune system is located in your gut. And we call this like the gut-associated lymphoid tissue. And so essentially this is a component of, it's almost like the first line of defense for any exposure to any kind of toxin or anything foreign to the body. So like it's a, it's the gut, the gut is one component of the larger mucosal immune system. And so that includes, so before we get into the gut, your skin includes the mucus in your nose, includes, um, you know, like your vaginal mucosal tissue. So when you get your eyes, for instance, right? So like Mm. our eyes are exposed to so much, but that's part of the immune system. Like there's kind of this like line of defense that blocks things from getting in and triggering a response. Well, your gut is the largest of the mucosal system. And so it has this gut lining that is porous enough for us to absorb the nutrients we need from foods that we eat um, and, you know, things that get in. But it needs to be closed off so that things are not leaking into the bloodstream triggering a auto like an immune response essentially Mm -hmm. and so like everything if you think about it every single thing that we come in contact with is foreign you know the air outside is foreign like the particles that are in there the sand that your kid is playing with at the park is foreign um but we have this uh this immune tolerance is which is our initial like immune system that we have that recognizes, okay, well, these aren't bad. And it, it, it kind of like regulates and doesn't allow the immune system to turn on. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when we have this like what we call leaky gut? So we keep ingesting various um, foods, you know, and I refer to these as our processed foods that are breaking down our gut. Processed foods, convenience foods, fast foods, you know, things that are like, it's not even food. They're just like food-like substances and they're yeah. engulfed with chemicals and things that our body is not used to. And so and therefore, pesticides. pesticides, that's a big one, huge, right? That's yeah. breaking down the gut wall. So our gut wall, it's like, you know, it's able to absorb the nutrients and then we start consuming all these bad things and then it just starts spreading out, right? And and now all of a sudden, it's porous. There's holes in it and it's leaky. It's what we call intestinal permeability. And what's happening now, those those food particles we call antigens, which are foreign, mm-hmm. are now able, and our body knows they're foreign, but because we've broken up this wall, they're able to leak out. And now they're leaking mm. out into the bloodstream and they're being presented to our immune system. And it's like, hey, do you recognize this guy? Do you recognize this guy? And the immune system's like, no, we've never seen these before because they're not supposed to be there. And so now they're <laughs> there and they're in the bloodstream and the immune system's like, well, we need to attack. So what happens when the immune system turns on? It starts releasing these um, T cells. It starts releasing these inflammatory cytokines. And these are all the cells that the immune system uses to fight. And it's a good thing in a normal situation, right? So like you get a virus, you get a bacteria. Yes, you want the immune system to respond in that way. But now because we have this leaky gut that's going on, we have these food antigens pouring into our bloodstream. Now our immune system is attacking in the same way that it would any other foreign antigen. 
And so now all of a sudden you have these food intolerances. You have this chronic response going on because if you don't fix that, everything you eat, I don't care if it's healthy or unhealthy, it's still going to leak out into the the bloodstream. And so therefore you constantly have this chronic inflammatory response. Like you constantly have the immune system saying attack, release cytokines, inflammation, inflammation, inflammation. And then what's going to happen at that point? Um, You know, if, if that's continuously going on. Again, every autoimmune disease is a problem with the underlying immune system. And so when our immune system is constantly turned on, you know, it it leads to and triggers, you know, then the attack of self as well. And so it's just like a targeted organ that becomes like a bystander in this attack. And, and, you know, we develop these autoimmune diseases. Is there an instance in where like someone gets, so let's say like you have leaky gut syndrome and then over time it leads to like, let's say Hashimoto's or whatever it is. Is there a higher incidence of like one you, once you have like one autoimmune disorder, do, you, do we often find that people get more of them on top of that, like maybe rheumatoid arthritis and et cetera? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And that's the scary part, right? And so when you find you have, so like I have an autoimmune disease and people are always like, well, so what? Just take a pill and you'll be fine. And it's like, yes, yeah. I can take a thyroid pill and, and my, my hormones will be regulated and that aspect will be fine. However, I will continue to have this inflammatory response going on. And once it's exhausted one organ, it's just going to switch to the next and the next. Mm-hmm. And yes, people essentially start developing multiple autoimmune diseases because they're not targeting the underlying problem, which is the inflammation. And so if you get, if you're diagnosed with the autoimmune disease, yes, it sucks. Take it from me. I get it. However, it's not the end of the world and you can get control of it by reducing that inflammation and ensuring that you're not going to develop celiac after that and rheumatoid after that. You know, it's like control the inflammatory response so that the body is not continuously attacking various organs. Amazing. Well, that was going to be my next question. So let's dive in. Let's say someone is either on the track, headed that direction, or maybe they've already been diagnosed. What are things that people can do to reduce that inflammation and hopefully reduce the symptoms of that autoimmune disorder? Yeah, so first thing I'm going to start with is diet. I mean, that's kind of, I want to say the easiest, but also the hardest for some. So, (laughs) um, and you think, it, and unfortunately, it's not common sense and it's not common knowledge for people. And that's what's sad is we've normalized this type of eating. Um, But really, like eliminating these processed commercial foods, it's like things that we find in the grocery store on shelves they're just infused with chemicals and they're there to, you know, elongate their shelf life to make them taste better. So you keep coming back for more. And, you know, the sugar that's added, the amount of sugar that we're ingested, like sugar itself is inflammatory beyond words, right? So if we just think about like, I think it's 150 grams and that's probably an old Mm. statistic, but like (laughs) that we consume, um, you know, in a day, I mean, it's just crazy. And we're seeing kids you know, developing these diseases as well. And this ingestion of just these, these processed inflammatory foods. So the end of the day, it's like, okay, first eliminate those things, take them out of your diet and ask yourself, like, how many servings of fruits and vegetables do you eat a day? I mean, the, the average is claimed to be about 3.6 by Americans Mm. that are eaten per day. What we need for optimal like nutrition and to like support our cells and functionality is at least nine to 12 servings of a variety of colors, 
across the rainbow of fruits and vegetables eaten daily in order to nourish ourselves, nourish our body, reduce inflammation. And what you find in these plants is like they they're just they have all these bioactive compounds in them that really when they grow, those bioactive compounds are protecting them from like various you know, offenders out there, you know, whether it be fungi or bacteria or whatever, like they have these compounds in them that protect them so they can survive. So when we eat, when we eat the fruits and vegetables, we benefit from those bioactive compounds that actually science shows actually has anti-inflammatory, antioxidant benefits that we would see. So like diet is number one, first thing I would say, you know, and, um, you know, doing an elimination diet is key um, to just to heal that gut wall and then continuously like kind of learning the appropriate eating through diet but removing foods like gluten like dairy soy and really because soy in the u.s especially is like 100 percent processed gmo um it's yeah. hard to find clean lots of soy. pesticides yeah. yeah corn sugar alcohol if people don't want to hear it but excessive i mean i'll say excessive alcohol like Yes, it, it's inflammatory. It's going to break yeah. down the walls of your gut lining. And so you don't want to do that. You want to eliminate all those things. You want to heal the gut. And then you want to slowly reintroduce to see how your body responds and then and build that maintenance and that lifestyle around it. Um, but it's not just about food. So I talk a lot about food and it's super important. Yes. It's really important. Though. It yeah. is. It is. It's 100%. But then like low-hanging fruit, sleep. Like, gosh, yeah. so easy. Just get eight to nine hours of sleep. Like, just don't watch TV in those last two hours of the evening. Go to bed earlier. And, I mean, sleep has a direct effect on the immune system. Um, Melatonin does so much more than just help you sleep. It's like it's a regulator of the immune system, too. And Yeah, it's a protector. It is, yeah. And so, like, you people don't realize that. Like, if you're not sleeping, the other thing is, like, your body needs a chance to just, like, regenerate itself. It needs to just yeah. like turn off and regenerate and get ready for for you the next day. So sleep is a good one. It's so important. Um, and like managing stress. I say this a lot because in the past year, like with the pandemic and having kids at home and schools and just all the unknown that was going on, like my stress level really increased and I couldn't figure out how to maintain it. I mean, like I couldn't go to yoga. I couldn't, like everything was closed, right? So um yeah. It was hard and and I started feeling my body out of control and I went through a flare and I hadn't changed anything else. Like I eat right, I exercise, I sleep, I do all those things, but the stress contributed so bad to my autoimmune disease that I actually developed a couple nodules on my gland um, Mm. as a result. And so, and they were so large that I had to get a biopsy. Thankfully, they were all negative, but But it was mind-blowing, right? So that was like eye-opening to me. I was like, wow, like there's nothing else that I can attribute it to but stress. It just shows you how real stress is. And so when people just disregard it, like, well, I'm just stressed. There's nothing I can do. Well, we need to find things that we can do. And and things like breathing exercises, there's studies, meditation. Like I've read studies that showed reduced levels of these inflammatory cytokines, interleukin-6, C-reactive protein, which is like a systemic measure of inflammation, was reduced like fourfold just from doing meditation for four weeks. Like, and you doesn't you don't have to like do it all day. It's like, yeah, fifteen minutes before bed, just breathing exercise that will do wonders to reduce inflammation on your body. You know what else is really underrated? And I know that this is, I feel like some people listening to this are going to be like, yeah, 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 and like roll their eyes, but literally just getting outside in nature. Yes, 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 yes. 
I cannot tell you, as someone, um, I feel like my, some of my listeners have a grasp now on my past and my anxiety and the stress that I had through the roof basically my entire life. Like I was always known as like um, having so much anxiety, so much stress. And I can tell you within this last year, actually, ironically, because 2020 and everything we went through, I made sure that I was getting outside and going on a hike every single day. And I still do that every single day. I go out for at least 20 minutes, make sure I'm in nature. And I can't tell you, I literally have friends tell me now, they're like, wow, I can see the difference in the anxiety and stress that you have now as, you know, compared to before is like night and day. Yeah. No, you're so right. Yeah, that's something that I've I've had on my list, but I haven't quite been able to tackle. <laughs> but I will get there, Baby I swear. Yes, yes. But getting out in nature, like connecting with the sunlight. I mean, yes. we talk about hormones, like start with the sun. Like that yes. just starts like your circadian rhythm, your process, like creates that balance. I mean, yes, nature is so important. Like even getting out there barefoot and just connecting with the yes. earth reduces all of that. And for all my science geeks out there, because I know there are a lot of them, myself included, there are studies that prove this connection that just going outside, there's something about the way that our brain, um, I, I don't I don't know how to quite explain it, but it's like the way that our eyes and our brain connect to just being outside and looking around. And you, I think it was someone yesterday on my podcast, he was like, it's like our eyes can just see the balance and harmony in nature. And then that registers in our brain and it has like a calming effect on our nervous system. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, for any of us, you know, and nobody can argue this. Like you go outside, you hear the birds chirping, the wind is blowing, like you feel better instantly. You, yes. And nobody can argue that they don't. Um, yeah. And like you said, there is science behind it. There is a reason for it. And it, it does have a positive effect you know, on our balance and creating that and our body and creating that balance within it. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. Connecting with nature is a big one. And also getting sunlight. And I know you mentioned this, but for people that don't know this, our bodies synthesize vitamin D, which is a very important hormone for immune health and for immune yeah. regulation. And you need to make sure that you're getting at least 20 minutes of sunlight if you're in a place that you can or supplement it. And that's without sunscreen on too, because our bodies can't synthesize vitamin D through the sun without sunscreen or yeah. sorry, with sunscreen right. on. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Like vitamin D is huge. Like people are always like, well, what supplement should I take? Well, I'm like, oh, let's start with vitamin D. Like yeah. I can almost guarantee everybody is deficient. I mean, there was a point where I think my vitamin D levels were like six or seven. I, insane. Um, and oh, yeah, yeah people don't realize the sunscreen aspect, like just wait 20 to 30 minutes before you put it on if you're worried about burning, right? Like, get your vitamin yes. D in first. Um, but, like, sitting at a window and thinking they're getting vitamin D. No, you're not. Like, the glass no. is blocking it, you know? Or, like, oh, no, I drive in the car and I, the sun hits me. No, that's not working either. No. Um, so it's, like, little things that people don't realize. Like, you know, that's it's literally simple. You just got to get out there and get it. And, and, yeah, you need it. That's an immune regulator that's been shown in many autoimmune diseases to help kind of balance that autoimmune, that, you know, immune response and, and bring your, what it does essentially is it boosts T regulatory cells. So we talk about our T cells, which are attacking yeah. and they're upregulated. Well, these T regulatory cells do exactly what we're saying is they regulate that response and they bring it back down to balance. So things like vitamin D, like green tea, like probiotics are all boosting T reg cells to kind of bring down that response. So 
Yeah, vitamin D is a big one. <laughs> it's a big one. I didn't know that about green tea. That's really interesting. I drink yeah. matcha every morning, so. That's a Yay. good one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, well, I feel like, is there anything else about autoimmune uh, disorders that we haven't gone over that you feel like is really important for people to know? Um, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day is like, don't people and those that have been diagnosed, I always want to say is like, it's not your fault. Um, because I went through that and trying to like, just mad at myself and trying to figure out why this happened to me. And I mean, you go through kind of the phases of grief, um, when you get this diagnosis, but you can come out of it. Um, even if you need to continue medications, all these things that we talked about today, um, are going to help you feel better, all right? Are going to help you take control of your disease, stop it in its track, don't let it progress. What it is here is that autoimmune diseases are progressive, right? They're, they're likely not going to go away. By the time we're diagnosed, enough damage has been done to the organ to where we, we you know, it, it's going to need that anchor, that help. But slowing that progression is key. And that's with all the things that we talked about and implementing those lifestyle factors, improving nutrition, healing your gut, taking necessary supplements that are needed that we can't get, you know, from, from nature, from foods, whatever it may be, um, to help slow that progression, to help, you know, reduce that inflammatory response. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. It's just inflammation, inflammation, inflammation. Like I can't say it enough, but if you can reduce inflammation, you're going to be in a better place. Yes. I love this message because I completely agree. And I think it's really important that people hear that. Yeah. So before we go, um, I like to ask everyone on my podcast this question. What for you, no matter how busy you are throughout the day, what are some of your health non-negotiables? Meaning no matter how busy you are, you prioritize these things every day in your life to make sure that you're putting your health and um, putting your health first, prioritizing it. Yeah. So exercise for me is number one. Um, and so I have a morning routine and I try to tell everybody to get a morning routine, um, but I have two little girls. And so when they wake up, life becomes about them. And so I recognize that I need to wake up well in advance of when they do. And so I do. I make sure that I'm in bed early enough to get my eight to nine hours and so that I can be up at 6 a.m. to have my time. Um, and that's important for like just restoration, for mental clarity, for everything to get you started for the day. And so whatever your morning routine is, um, or if you don't have one, I'm saying get one because it's just life changing. Yeah. Um, so I have that morning routine where I can sit down, I can have my cup of coffee, just relax, read a book, you know, after 30 minutes, get changed and I'm in the gym. So I have a home gym, whether I'm in the gym or I'm in the sauna, whatever it may be, but I do some type of morning workout every single day. And the days that if I do have to miss it because whatever comes up, which is very rare, the whole day is thrown off because my morning routine was thrown off. So that is kind of, yeah, that's my non-negotiable is my mornings. (laughs) I love that. So many people say similar things about having their morning routines. And I think it just goes to show that it's really important to have those uh, those routines and those things that we do for ourselves in the morning, because then it sets us up for the whole day. Yeah. yeah it sets yeah. the stage of how it's going to be. Like I said, when it doesn't happen, the whole day is thrown off because, yeah. you know, you, you didn't set the tone for the day. Exactly. I love that. Well, for everyone listening, where can they find you? Yeah. So you can, um, 
check out my website, drautoimmunegirl.com. Um, so I have a blog there. Also have a gut healing protocol that you can check out that um, kind of puts you through a 30-day um, process and education of how and why to heal your gut. Um, I also share daily on Instagram and Facebook um, at Dr. Autoimmune Girl. Um, feel free to send me questions, um, nothing personal medical advice, but you know, any topics you want me to research, find out more about, but that's all the information I'm giving out is, is stuff that I find that I research and I, I break it down. So it's simple for people to understand. Yeah. Make sure that you guys go and follow her. I love following you on Instagram. Such great information. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been so great. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. If you liked this episode, please leave a review in your podcast app to let me know. This is a resident media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Chris McCone. The theme song is called Heaven by the amazing singer Georgie, spelled with a J. Love you guys so much. See you next week.